21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Neela Steele and I recording our eighth episode of Four Times Mindfulness. Uh, for the first time, uh, we are actually recording in a very quiet place. Uh, it's Saturday afternoon here, about 3.40 p.m., um, and we are recording at the King Abdul University of Science and Technology Library at the university. Uh, it's a stunning library overlooking the Red Sea. What a great place to um, find a quiet place and record this podcast with Neela. Um, so I'm just going to let Neela you know, kind of give a little update into how things are going and uh, what we've been up to. Yeah, just to add to this beautiful space, earlier on we were looking out as we were reading and uh, we had the full view of the Red Sea. It's a beautiful day and we're really trying to create this habit of coming here on the weekend and carving out some time for us to both read and do these recordings here. So it's a wonderful space. It's been about three weeks now that we've uh, been working and living and trying to get the house in order and waiting for our shipment and just trying to get back to basics, connecting with both of our boys who are each having their own trials and tribulations about settling into a new school, but it all seems to be really unfolding as it should. And we just keep checking in on the boys and each other going through this transition, which has been relatively calm. It, it has been calm, and, and we still realize that there's you know ups and downs of the transition itself, of course, but it's we've been lucky, too, that we, we have 10 or 12 friends that were already working here, so coming to a place where you have those familiar faces makes the transition much easier. Um, so we've been lucky in that sense, but uh, I guess we're going to start our four seeds of mindfulness. Uh, Neela, do you want me to begin today? I think I think offer it up there, Andy. Go yes, ahead. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to start. The first seed of mindfulness, uh, mindfulness for this week is um, actually uh, some inspiration that I found a few years ago. I always return back to it every few months. Um, but it's a it's a speech that Jim Carrey gave, a commencement speech that Jim Carrey gave at a top business management school in the U.S. in 2014. And I've actually, I, I want to share a quote from Jim Carrey in that commencement speech. And, you know, Jim Carrey is the funny man, right? Uh, every, everybody knows this. He's a comedian, but there's a very serious side to him. And this is one of the reasons why he was asked to give this commencement speech um, at this university that really embraces meditation. Mm -hmm. So they require all students at the university to do two uh, transcendental meditation sessions per day. And Jim Carrey is really into transcendental meditation. So um, they asked him to come and give this commencement speech. And, um, you know, I really recommend it. I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's 26 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. It's been viewed over 10 million times. But essentially, 
um, Jim Carrey, the message in his speech is uh, definitely about having no limits and to create more empowering narratives for ourselves based on faith and not fear. And when he talks about faith, he's not talking about it in a religious sense, but a faith um, to practice faith in, in finding out who we are and constantly being driven to be our best personal and professional selves. And he uses this one little story in there where it took him a number of years, but he realized one day um, he was always into comedy and as he, he learned to be funny from his father who really embraced comedy. And he talked about really embracing this path of becoming a comedian. And it was about when he was, I think, 28 or 30 years old, uh, he was doing a, a few routines in Los Angeles. And he had this kind of moment where he realized that his calling in life, he was doing it. It was to be a comedian, but at a, at a much deeper level, what he realized he was doing was freeing people from concern and bringing joy and happiness to them for those fleeting moments when they were in his presence. And that allowed him to begin to put the, the internal puzzle together and, and complete the internal puzzle and find those missing pieces in his life. But it would, for him, it was finding that sense of purpose and, and realizing that this is what he was meant to do. Um, and in the speech, he gives this, um, this amazing, there's an amazing quote from the speech. And I've shared this quote in uh, a few keynote speeches that I've given. Um, and it's essentially this. Um, How will you serve the world? What do they need that your talent can provide? That's all you have to figure out. The effect that you have on others is the most valuable currency that there is. And to me, this quote totally sums up mindfulness because in order for you to really understand your talents, you need to reflect on them. And mindfulness is all about finding that quiet place to reflect on what's working in our lives and to tap into um, the greatness within, really, and, and what we're, we're meant to do and, and our purpose. So I will always use that quote and I share that quote and I write it on chalkboard walls wherever mm-hmm. I go and I, I share it with my friends um, because it's so powerful and reminding us that we do have innate talents within us that we are developing. And it's ultimately these talents, even if it's on a micro level, that will make a difference to others. So um, that's kind of my first seat of mindfulness and, and the importance of reflecting on our own talents and um, in an effort to better clarify our purpose. So that's what I wanted to share for the first seat of mindfulness Thank you. Today. Well, I think I wanted to add to that because as educators – we are trying to create opportunities for all of our students so that they themselves can find out what their talents are and and be intrinsically motivated to develop their own talents. And when you remember that, in reflecting, you also are getting to know yourself better and the patterns and, and being aware, which also ties into mindfulness without uh, a sort of judging or analyzing mind, I think. Yeah, and that's a good point because, you know, 
it's about the students as teachers it's definitely about your students but it's also about yourself and and we are all serving the world by being educators mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's not enough to just just call it a day when you come to that conclusion you've got to dig deeper and to really um really think about what it is you're bringing to your students what you're bringing to the profession what you're bringing to your colleagues and I want to give a just we don't give a lot of shout outs on in this podcast, but I want to give a pod, uh, a shout out to Mark Vatsis. Uh, he's a PE teacher that I have uh, known for a couple of years. I presented at his school and I know Mark has been listening to these podcasts and and he's he's been taking some of the tools from these podcasts and, and you know, putting them into practice in his own life. And he sent us a tweet last week that he he shared our last podcast with some teachers to help them deal with, with stress. You know, so it's, it's that idea of, um, you know, finding the tools that work, that allow, allow us to, to really um, produce our best work possible. So um, I think just being aware of those things are, are very important. And to lead into the second seat of mindfulness, is, um, I'm going to talk about Nikon. And Nikon is a Japanese word that loosely translates into inside looking or introspection. And I, I know that you've blogged about it before. I think it's under the title of um, three great reflective questions to ask yourself. So I'm going to use... Andy as my uh, little tester outer here. I didn't know this, by the way, everybody <laughs> listening. <laughs> so I, I want to just give you the experience of Nikon and a, a tiny bit of backstory as well as that. Ironically, we lived in Japan for 10 years, but I didn't find out about Nikon until after we left uh, Japan. And I found out about it from the... Um, Toto Institute, and uh, Andy will add those notes as well in the mm-hmm. in the notes that follow. So, to come into this practice in this uh, these three questions that are used as a reflective framework, I want or invite you to just take three breaths now. And if you're comfortable and you can where you are, just close your eyes so that you can just relax your eyes and the focus. And the first question is, what have I received today? So you take the focus off of yourself and you might look at the beginning of the day from the moment that you woke up to what are the little simple things that you receive today. So three, let's pick three. I'm going to ask Andy to answer. Okay. Uh, we were invited to a, a friend's house today for a brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked with this colleague in Cambodia mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and she's here now, and she invited us, and she brought some of our other friends over from other schools. Um, so today we received a, a beautiful invitation, and it was a great um, brunch. Uh, where we just were able to chat with new colleagues and and our old colleagues, and um, I received that gift of connection. Yeah, and so we not only that we received some great food, some time uh, to share with others, and um, some great company. And then the the second question 
is what have I given to others today? So just take a breath. And I'm sort of putting Andy on the spot here to answer and share his answers. But what have you given today? I've given my time. I've, I've given my time to, in particular, a new colleague. And um, I've given my time and attention to him. And he told me his story, and his story is amazing. And I really gave him my presence. And I learned so much about him. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And I might have him on my podcast because he's done some incredible things. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Are you talking about James? Yeah. Yeah. And then the third question is, what troubles and difficulties have I caused others today? Hmm. Okay. And while I'm giving Andy some think time, this question is not made to... Uh, make you feel guilty or um, you're not judging yourself here. You're just shifting that, uh, you know, we do cause inconveniences and burdens and difficulties for others, but we tend to give ourselves loads of slack because we just say, oh, it was an accident. It wasn't meant to, you know, I didn't mean to do that. So by just looking at that lens of, yeah, you know what, I actually inconvenienced someone because I took up their time or um, I, I burdened them with something that they didn't really want to do, but then they had to do that. So I think it's, it's again, the whole idea of Nikon is introspection. So, do so you... uh, yeah, I've inconvenienced Ty and Eli. Um, actually, we both did because this morning we went for a swim at the rec center. Yeah. And um, we were supposed to be back at about 9, 9 o'clock so we could get ready to go to the brunch. Mm-hmm. And we decided to have a coffee. And that coffee lasted 15, 20 minutes. And then we rushed home. And um, because we were late getting back, we demanded that the boys get ready really quickly. That's right. And they were already kind of ready, but they still had to put on their socks and find their shoes and all of that. And they flipped it back. And they, when I was rushing them, inconveniencing them, mm-hmm. they flipped it back. And Ty was the first one to, to pop off to me and say, um, we're late because of you, so you need to take responsibility. <laughs> And I was like, actually, son, you know what? Spot on. Um, Mom and I were late, and I take full responsibility for pushing you to get ready very quickly right now, and I'm sorry. So I inconvenienced them by putting that pressure on them unnecessarily because we were enjoying a coffee, and we just let it go too long. And I'm sort of laughing because I never realized that up until this point that you actually said it out loud that that's what we did, and we tend to do that a lot. Yes. So the Nikon practice is a great way to shift your focus from that. um, It's the, I believe, the egoic state of mind where you're incessantly just taking your own perspective, the I, the me, the pronoun that always starts with me and my story. So when you flip it, it actually shifts you to a attitude of appreciation, appreciating your relationships and appreciating the, 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 the patterns you may or may not want to continue. Can you repeat those three questions? So the three questions are, what have I received from others? Or 
you can take this practice and just look at one person. Uh, say, for example, your mother. What have I received from my mother? But I'm just going to sum up the questions as you asked. What have I received from others? What have I given to others? And what troubles or difficulties have I caused today? Today. Yeah. Right. So it, it's an at, end at of the, the day, day sort of practice. Could it be the end of the week as well? So you, yeah, you can just set your own time. Whatever frame. way that you might nudge it into your into your practice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, and so we're on number three already. Well, this one is uh, this is a special one because uh, this week um, we're big Tim Ferriss podcast fans, and I know we've mentioned him before in his podcast. Um, Tony Robbins, uh, big fan of Tony Robbins' work. Tony Robbins uh, was on Tim Ferriss' podcast again for the second time. Mm-hmm. An amazing interview with lots of insight and inspiration, but it's all about achievement versus fulfillment. And uh, you can find that. I'll put it in the show notes. But um, Tim uh, Tony Robbins actually talks about the fact that he's been highly successful in life, but He's reached a point where he truly wants to be the master of joy and happiness and to uh, end suffering of others. And he talks about that we all have the ability to to end suffering as it appears. And he describes in the podcast that there are two places that we live. The first place, okay, so state A, for example, is that beautiful state of being. And he gives, and we've all experienced these things, but they're all very positive emotions, beautiful states of being, such as joy, happiness, love, productivity, passion, decisiveness, creativity. These are the ones that he gives as an example. There's many others, but it's those beautiful moments when we're in those states. Okay. And what Tony Robbins is saying is that when we are in these states, there's no question that we're treating ourselves and others at the highest level possible, as opposed to the other states of emotional being, which are the suffering states, which are based on fear, stress, being inundated with Mm must-dos, so that, that pressure we feel, the anxiety we all experience, and... He says that suffering is any emotion which takes us out of those wonderful, emotional, beautiful states. And of course, in life, it's not possible to always be in those beautiful states of being. But what Tony does in the work that he does is he gives people strategy to more quickly get back into those beautiful states. So we're going to experience ups and downs in life and really tragic moments. And of course, of course, those are those uh, moments of suffering that we all will go through and have gone through. But he talks about uh, the fact that life is about getting ourselves into those beautiful emotional states with more regularity. And he calls it the art of f- fulfillment. And how we do this is by giving gratitude and becoming more aware. And um, he, he talks about a scientific study of the heart and the brain. And he talks about the idea that most people believe that it's the brain that controls everything else in the body. And if you can control your brain and your thoughts, everything else will fall into place. But this scientific study shows that the heart has specific hormones 
And when we can get the heart to release those hormones, it impacts the brain in a very positive way so that there is a strong connection between heart and brain. And it's that interaction that we need to control. And he talks about the, uh, this scientific study that if I was to put electrodes on Neela sitting beside me, on her heart and on her brain, so the EKG for the heart and the EEG for the brain, that, and then you run the, you run the data, you would see distinctly different shapes, a jagged states of up and down that are distinctly different. They're not alike at all. So the electrical activity in the heart is distinctly different than the electrical activity in the brain. But through uh, certain mindfulness and meditative uh, activities, you can actually sync up and create identical electrical patterns in the heart and brain. And when you do this, it's proven that humans can uh, make better, more, uh, better decisions in their lives, more productive decisions in their lives. So he shared a, he calls it a 90 second or a two minute activity. So I'm going to have everybody, I'm not actually going to go through it, but what I'm going to have you do right now is I'm going to have you put your, your two hands together so not um, putting your palms facing one another but imagining putting the back side of your hand into the palm of your other hand and placing it over your heart and he said and just keep it there as I explained this study so it's about putting your hands um, strongly over your heart and, and actually feeling your heart and you're doing this quietly in a quiet space and as you have both hands on your heart to, to try to feel the power of your heart and feel the strength of your heart and, and be incredibly grateful for the, for your heart because you're lucky to have it. And as you, um, place your hands over your heart in this quiet state, you are recalling three events in your life that you have tremendous gratitude for. And you're going to step back into these experiences as you keep your hands on your heart. And you're really going to relive those moments of gratitude, those three events, whatever they are, you know. Um, and you go through each of those um, events trying to recall the experiences and uh, emotions and the feelings that you felt as the events were taking place. And... After you do this activity, say 90 seconds or, or two minutes, you define the, the time limit it takes for you to go through those three events. People that have done this activity, they're, Tony Robbins said, it's amazing to see the, the, it's no longer jagged peaks. It's rounded electrical activity that mirrors one another. They twin one another. And it's, it's that, that brings you back more quickly to the beautiful state of being, whether it be joy, happiness, love, productivity, passion, whatever it is. So, um, I just started to tinker with that this week and it is incredibly peaceful. And, you know, it's, it's just a powerful thing. So, you know, you, you're able to recall really important times in your life. And for me, I, I recalled, um, one of the things that I was intensely grateful for was uh, my experience playing American football at the university. And 
what that experience gave me and the bonds it gave me and and how incredibly important it was at that moment in my life to to find football and be a part of the university football team for five years so that was one big event that I recalled I actually went with that idea the one of the reasons too I want to mention about Tony Robbins is that if you haven't already checked out the documentary I'm not your guru it's a very powerful documentary and it's not about who Tony Robbins is but more uh what he does and what he ultimately believes. And he does this exercise in the movie, and uh, it's incredible. Yeah, it is. And I think it's just returning back to, you know, like the states of suffering. And and for me, you know, I, I have tremendous gratitude because, you know, I, I lived in constant states of suffering for many years growing up in a dysfunctional family and I have gratitude that I was able to still get through those moments and and really uh, experience life to the fullest afterwards but um, you know it's it's a very good activity to do especially if you have had hardship and trials and tribulations in your life I've lost two brothers one to drug addiction and uh, one to suicide so it, it allows me to um, just give a lot of gratitude uh, for what I have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I did this uh, to shift a little. We shared this in a yoga class uh, last week. And uh, one woman came up to me after class and said, I've never cried in a yoga class, but I felt so connected to heart, mind and body that uh, she said that she uh, had tears of joy. So when you shift that attitude from um, pointing out all the negative things or the ugly things in your life, when you shift and you pivot over to appreciation and gratitude, it's incredibly powerful and it makes me look at what i've been through um, and create a different narrative an empowering narrative that i'm not sucked back into the reality of that dysfunction but more so to be incredibly grateful for um, being able to move in a positive direction in my life and achieve you know a lot of good things Mm -hmm. so activities such as this of sinking the heart and the brain truly allow you to to let go of hardship from your past and brings you right into the present moment which is what mindfulness is all about totally so Um, nila i'm gonna go to something a little bit lighter okay uh we've been here for three weeks and the first week we got here andy saw an advertisement that uh had it was a posting about a dog that was being fostered and needed a home and we were at home and Andy showed me right away and he was like a little kid showing me this posting and said, look at this dog. We have to go see it. Let's go. It's just right around the corner. And before I knew it, we were visiting this dog and Andy was looking at me saying, we got to take it. Let's take it home. Uh, the dog's name is Jax. And um, long story short, Jax is now our dog. So... 
I was uh, not too open and receptive to that sort of change right away, right after a major move. Uh, but uh, we are a dog-loving family, and um, we had to leave our dog in China, our old dog, Coffee, who was also a mutt that we saved in China, but she was readopted by a lovely family. And now we've taken in Jax. So Jax is a little bit of a puppy, and we are all doing our best to train this little guy who is now a part of our family. And Quite were, big guy. Yeah, he's a big boy. Mm. And uh, he was very, very timid, and slowly he's starting to shine and is starting to be a little more upbeat and almost too playful now. But the reason I'm talking about our dog is that uh, what I love about dogs is, number one, this unconditional love that they give you immediately. From the moment you wake up, they don't care what you look like. They don't care that you have halitosis first thing in the morning. And I, my routine is I wake up. Now, Jax is not allowed on the second floor. So when I go down the stairs, there he is waiting for me. And something unique about Jax is his tail does not move side to side. When he's super excited, it goes in a big circle. So when I sit and spend at least five minutes just sort of caressing him and scratching behind his ear and connecting that is a moment of mindfulness i'm touching the dog and i'm just connecting with that sense of touch and i'm looking into his eyes and it's how i start my day with a mindful moment with our dog and this can be done with any pet that you have the next time you spend a few moments with your pet just notice how you are completely in the moment and I'm assuming that our dogs and our pets are too. They're not looking at us and wishing that time to be uh, hurried up or they're not looking at us ruminating about the past or, you know, projecting to the future. They are also with us in that moment. And one of the other mindful practices that I try to do is after dinner when I walk jacks, it's another 10 minutes where I leave my phone at home so that I don't end up neck down, face in front of my screen, just yanking the dog around mindlessly. But I'm really focused on the walk, being outside, an appreciation and a connection to nature. There's so much that you can draw into a simple walk with your pet in the evening. And pets are a great way as well to share with your kids on how nice it can be to provide food and care and water for a an animal in your home. So we love Jax. And after three weeks in a brand new country, we have a new family member. <laughs> yeah, that was, we weren't going to take the dog. And I was looking at Neela saying, let's take it, let's take it. And, and the woman who was fostering it said, well, why don't you just take it for a week only? and see if it works because a lot of times when she fosters dogs and gives them to families it's not a good fit and they end up bringing the dog back and it was the first night Jax was staying with us mm -hmm. and he was up all night crying and scratching the door and I was up all night with him and I'm like oh my god what did we do you know 
Um, but it's been great. He's been sleeping at night. You know, he goes to bed. He knows when it's bedtime. He sleeps through the night, doesn't bark. Um, you know, so it's been a great experience. And uh, he is a family member now, whether we like it or not. <laughs> but we like it. And um, so do you want I to sum that, up? Yes, yes. Okay. You go so ahead. Uh, for me, number one was the Jim Carrey commencement speech um, and the quote, how will you serve the world? What do they need that your talent can provide? That's all you have to figure out. The effect that you have on others is the most valuable currency that there is. And that idea of really tapping into and reflecting on uh, what your inner talents are and how these talents can better serve uh, the people around you and the world in general. And the second seat of mindfulness is a reflective practice called Nikon, a looking within or introspection you aim to answer three questions. Question number one, what have I received from others today? And question number two, what have I given to others? And the third one, what troubles and difficulties have I caused? Number three is uh, Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss and the interview Achievement versus Fulfillment and the idea that uh, Tony says there's two places that we live by. Um, and only two places, you're either in a beautiful state of being, um, experiencing those, those great emotions that go with that beautiful state of being, or you're in a suffering state. And a suffering state is defined by any emotion which takes you out of that beautiful state. And even though we will experience those moments, you can get yourself back into a beautiful state by doing that um, brain-heart-sinking activity, that 90-second or two-minute hands-on-the-heart um gratitude uh, activity um, so that's total mindfulness in action and then the last one was a focus on many mindful moments spent with your pet and there they are so everybody thank you for listening to our it's our eighth episode yeah i think it's I our eighth so, episode yeah. of four times mindfulness um we'll be back next week with another one um we hope you have a great week wherever you are in the world and again if um you're finding you know these things useful or you want to share any seeds of mindfulness of your own please uh, find us on twitter and share we love hearing from others when it comes to mindfulness we do and we really appreciate your precious time and energy listening and hope that you put some of these practices into your beautiful lives thank you very much for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.